Welcome to the Hoops College Coaches Podcast. I am Aaron Paranak. Today we're joined by the athletic director and head men's basketball coach at Victory Christian in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks, Coach, for, for joining us today. Give me some strategies that you've experienced at work in dealing with parents over the years. Excellent question. I believe one of the biggest um, things that I've tried to implement in our program is making sure that when you're talking to parents, you're giving them reasonable expectations of what their, their son or daughter can can do. Um, I think with that being said, you have to be real with parents, not only just real with them and in, in, in the things that you're expecting for them to be able to do for your program, but then also getting what they want to have accomplished with their son or daughter. For example, if they, if they have a child that is not Division One material, but they are a gun-ho about them becoming a Division One athlete, then you just need to sit down with those parents and say, hey, uh, your son or daughter may not be Division One material. However, there are a multitude of other colleges at different levels that your, your son or daughter could, could be a part of, and here's what we need to do to get them there. So I think it's just managing expectations. As, as well as being real with them, but also presenting other options for their son or daughter. Because, again, we don't want anybody to give up on their dreams, but at the same time, we don't want to set them up to unreasonable expectations. What percentage of your athletes' parents think they're Division One? The majority of them at least want their son or daughter to become Division One student-athletes. I think a, a high percentage of them believe that they can, so what we've done in, the, in that regard is we've, we've strategically placed them in situations to where they're playing against Division One caliber students, as well as um, brought in coaches to come evaluate them. So it's not just us saying, yes, you can make it, or, or, or no, we need to look a different route. So but to answer your question, I think the majority of our parents nowadays think their son or daughter can go Division One, and when statistically it's been proven that that's not really the case. the case, right. Every so often, you're going to get the ones that, that no matter what you try to tell them, uh, they're going to believe and, and pursue what they feel is is the potential of their student or their, their son or daughter. So, And right. that's fine. That's fine. Sure. However, I think it's the approach. I think it has to do with not just saying, hey, that your son or daughter can't do it, but it's also showing them another avenue. And then what a strategy I've, I've taken from one of my mentors is just simply saying, hey, if you think your son or daughter can go Division One in basketball, for example, do a resume. And I say, write down every one of your accomplishments that you've, you've had from ninth grade on up to this point. And if it shapes up like you would applying for a regular job, if it shapes up as a Division One standard resume, then guess what? You should go Division One. And I think what that does is it allows them to think, it puts it down on paper, and if your resume doesn't add up to the caliber of what you're looking for, then I don't have to say anything else from that point. <laughs> the resume, the resume exactly. speaks for itself. Exactly. Besides parents, what are some other obstacles that maybe you've had to work through uh, over the years in, in, in your experiences? Right. And I'm not a master at it yet, so I'm still continuing to learn. I, I'm a student at this, but um, – I would say some of the things that we, we run up against is kids realizing how hard they need to work in their particular sport and knowing that the hour and a half, two hours that we have with them is not near enough if they want to get to the level that they, they're, they're wanting. Um, also just realizing that it takes much, much more than just talent 
to, to get to where you want to be in. You have to thrive. You have to be a student athlete. You have to, to be in the right place at the right time. There's so many different things that make, make up. You have to have the right character. Nowadays, talent is in abundance. Uh, sure. So those intangibles are the, are the things that are, that are putting people in position to, to get to where they want to be at. And then they got to realize that they're responsible for their, their own destiny, their outcome. So, right. Right. And it's not, I mean, you can only do so much. <laughs> um, yes, sir. How, how do you stay in games with players who are maybe less talented? What, what's your, what are some of your strategies to, to stay in games? What I've learned is, um, and I'm still continuing to learn this as well, is you've got to give every person on your team a role as well as make them and help them realize they're important to the team. Um, for example, the 13th man on the team, he's just as important as your quote-unquote star because, again, he can push that person every day in practice or there may be a time where, where we just need him to come off the bench and, and play a specific role. Um, so it's, it's got to be all about the team, and you've got to get buy-in 100% from, from everybody. You've got to speak the same thing, move at the same time, think the same way, and it is definitely a process. Um, However, I'm a firm believer that team always beats me every <laughs> yep. single time. No player is bigger than the team. No team is bigger than the program. No program is bigger than the school. Do you prefer to, like, if your team maybe isn't as talented as, as the other team, do you prefer to try to press and speed them up and, and take them out of what they want to do, or do you try to slow them down and, and limit possessions and play in that play that way? I think it takes both. Um, I, I blessing us to have an outstanding coaching staff and we love to scout we look at videos that's personally something i love to do so whatever it takes and i try to we try to pride ourselves on having our players prepared for every situation um and just and just go out there and give their all but i think the preparation is the biggest part if they're not mentally prepared it does not matter Right. What we do, when they get on <laughs> right. that court. They've got to perform it. And so, I mean, you're basically saying it depends on it depends on the team that you're playing as, exactly. as to how as to how you approach that. That's it's pretty it's pretty cool if you've got athletes that can that can make those adjustments uh, from one game to the next. How much do you play zone and how much do you play man to man? Like, what, what's your what's your philosophy philosophy defensively? I I'm not a big fan of zone, <laughs> but I understand there's a time and place for it. For example, sure. we played in the national tournament and we played against a team that did not shoot the ball very well at all mm -hmm. so we literally packed it in three-point line and made them shoot outside and slowly but surely even if one of the threes go in <laughs> we, we stick to the to the, the percentages right and um, ever so often I mean gradually over time rather they started shooting what they usually shoot and right. we kept increasing upon our lead so yep. I love man to man I like to put pressure on them full court and then once they get into the to the half court just trying to limit their options mm -hmm. um Denying, yeah, I think you have to have a real special team that can be able to deny and fill in the the weak side and and talk and things of that nature. So it, it's that can happen in spurts, but if you don't have a team that's that's capable of doing that, it will lead to problems on the defensive right. end. So right, I'd rather just limit options and make a player do two or three different things in one possession, and it usually works out in our favor. When teams play zone against you, I mean, maybe teams don't play zone because you shoot it that well, but maybe when you've had teams that didn't shoot it that well, besides just saying, I got to find some better shooters, what what kind of strategies have you used to, to, to play against zones when maybe you didn't have the best shooting team? Great question. Um, one of the things I've got to continue to get better at is um, playing against zone. Um, 
teams have played a zone and, and been effective at times. We've, we've been fortunate enough to have good shooters. Um, but the old adage of find the gaps and move the ball, um, I think when when the teams play zone, it seems like many times it's, it's lazy defense. But to be honest with you, it makes other teams think a lot more than uh, what I believe people realize. And people dribble too much nowadays. So uh, <laughs> I try to have my team just move the ball. And then when you have the open opportunity, shoot it. If that's a good right. shot for you. And then if not, drive and create for somebody else. That's great. Sometimes well, it sounds a lot easier than it is. Right. What's your what's your talking about shot selection? What do you tell your team when it comes to because you don't have a shot clock? You know you can you can shoot it. You can hold the ball as long as you want or or shoot it as quick as you want. What do you tell your team when it comes to shot selection? <laughs> um, if it goes in, great shot. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, I try to make sure that we we value each possession, but at the same time, I don't want robots on my team. Right. And. I've been guilty of having robots before, but just as long as it's a good shot for you. And every one of my team players, they can build, they'll say this to this day. If you miss it, the first thing you're going to hear me say is the next one's good. Um, so <laughs> trying to instill confidence in It is. It has to be. About the next. Yep. It has to be. It has to be. In, in high school basketball in general, what do you think is the thing that's most lacking? Knowing the game. Knowing how to play the game. The fundamentals of the game and knowing the game. Um, I think what's happened now is because players don't know how to play the game anymore, they don't know the game, they substitute it with dribbling, or they're implementing the, the there's a time and place for it, but AAU style of basketball, they're implementing it to high school ball, and it really doesn't work on a very, very, very good team. People start dribbling too much, or they take bad shots because they got away with it all summer long. What fundamental skill is is the most lacking uh, in high school basketball these days? I would say, and it, it may sound weird, but I would say just keeping the game simple. Okay, that's a huge skill. Um, whether it's if you're open, shoot it, or if a teammate's open, pass it, or if, if you know that a guy's running hard at you, attack his top foot. Just little simple things that um, um, are, are been lacking for a little while. Just keeping the game simple. And just being fundamentally sound. I think those are things that are, have been lacking for a while now and has been substituted with just athleticism. Again, it runs into the problem of when you find a good, sound team, you're not going to be as successful as you could. Right. right. It trumps a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. But when somebody else is just as athletic as you are, you got to have something else to go on. And that's, exactly. that's what happens is that, you know, it's that, um, that those skills and that, that IQ. I just like to thank you for having me on here to be able to do this. It's awesome. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you taking the time.